to our latest Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries, and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they faced throughout their careers, how they became them, and what tips they for girls of my age. Today, my guest is Kate Dale, who is the Director of Marketing at Sport England. You may have seen the This Girl Can, Can campaign. That was Kate's. I loved it. Thanks for joining me today, Kate. Can we oh, start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role you have today? Thank you for having me on, Grace. It's really exciting to be here. Um, that's a really good question. And I'd love to be able to say that I had a plan that I followed throughout my life, but I really didn't. So a mixture of um, luck, possibly, um, some hard work, hopefully, um, but also being clear about what I enjoyed and what mattered to me. So I started life as a journalist because I always liked writing and creating. Oh, we didn't call it creating content back in those days. It's content creation there, but writing. and didn't really know what else to do with that. So I became a, a marketing journalist um, on magazines and then became a website editor when websites really started going. I make myself sound ancient. Um, and then joined Sport England back in 2004 to help build their first website. Again, all around uh, writing about how people get active and, and sport and things like that. But I'm not a sporty person, so I never really expected to stay here as long as I have. Uh, but it was after the London 2012 Olympics, they started talking about, or we started talking about how we did something to close a gender gap between the number of women and girls playing sport versus the number of men and boys. Um, and that led to us creating a behaviour change campaign, which has been absolutely fascinating and amazing and a real privilege to work on. And I didn't think, I thought it was just luck, but I'd forgotten that when I was 16, I did a media studies GCSE. Um, and I, in that, I did a project all about advertising and about sexism in advertising and challenging stereotypes. And to be honest, I'd completely forgotten that I'd done that until we started doing this Still Can. And so there's been something, I think, throughout my career that has been a bit of my sort of compass or North Star, which has sort of kept me going through that about wanting to do things that tackle uh, particularly gender inequalities and particularly the way women were shown and portrayed and treated. That has been there all the way through. So even when I didn't think I was doing things about that, I think I was. So it's a bit of being in the right place at the right time, but also knowing what was important to me and what I enjoyed doing. Definitely. Now, when you were at school, um, did you know about anything that you wanted to do or be when you were older? Did you have any, say, any passions or any subjects that you liked that helped you to decide what you wanted to do? Or did that happen maybe more later in life? Oh, you know, I don't think I had a clue, really. I, When I was really young, I wanted to be an actress. Okay. Uh, but I think I just liked showing off and attention and I'm not really skilled or talented. Um. I always loved English. English and history were my favourite subjects and I did history at university but um, didn't really know when I went off to uni what I would do after that. So this idea, I liked the idea of working in the media. My dad was an engineer at the local ITV station, Border Television, and so I'd go and visit, visit him in the studios and that was really exciting. Um, so I liked the idea of doing something sort of media and buzzy and I wanted to be in London because I loved going to the theatre, particularly musicals, and I was I grew up in Carlisle, so very north, um, and we didn't have much in the way of that 
So we do have more now, but then we didn't. So I had those sort of things, but in terms of what I wanted as a career, I had no idea really. So I went to university, then I took a year out to do, uh, I was a community service volunteer at a college for kids with visual impairments and thought about it and then did a journalism diploma. So I really only ever done it one next step at a time. And what I then ended up doing websites and social media and things didn't even exist when I started out working. So I'd have had no idea. And it makes me wonder with your generation, you know, what will the jobs be like when you're my I mean I'm fifty two now. What will the jobs be like then? You know, they won't even have been invented or thought of now. And so for me I think well I'd really admire people with that drive and that sense of I want to be in this place and I'm going to focus on that one one or two goals. In my experience, it's been less about that and more about being really flexible and not exactly going where the wind takes you, but um, being open to new things that are coming along. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So don't worry. And the thing I, was, what I would say to my younger self, and therefore patronisingly I'll say it to you, is don't worry if you don't have that sense of, I want to be an XYZ. There are some people who have absolutely, I want to be a doctor or that vocation or or actor or whatever but I don't think not having that necessarily stops you succeeding. Definitely. Now I know you went to university. How important do you think it actually is to go to university though? With all of the different apprenticeship and graduate schemes that lots of different companies do offer nowadays? Um, That's a really good question. Um, I don't think it's essential. I think if you have the option to spend time away from where you grew up, uh, where you can meet new people, be exposed to new ideas, new influences, different ways of thinking, that's really important. And I think that's one of the valuable things that um, universities can do. But I think there are other ways of getting that as well. And I don't think we should just, I certainly don't think we should just focus on academic achievement as being the only achievement, which is what universities tend to lend itself towards. There are other ways of um, succeeding in life and I think the more vocational studies, more vocational courses are important too. So like you say, modern apprenticeships, um, on the job learning, different ways of doing it are really important. I, to be honest, didn't particularly enjoy university, which doesn't mean I regret going, but I was quite homesick and quite shy. I've made up for that since last time. I never shut up talking now, but back then couldn't say boo to a goose. Um, so I think, and I think it's important to know that as well, that it's not always going to be the most amazing. Please work hard and go and all the rest of it. And I'm not telling people not to go, but I don't think it's the only way to succeed. And I think with a blinkered and I think it's very unfair and a lot of young people, if we imply that it is, I think it's working out what's right for you. What I would urge people to do, and I think this is harder now, I know that, but important to spend at least some time don't just spend all your time where you grew up. Spend some time, go and get new experiences, new different opinions, new influences and expose yourself to those. Definitely. Now, the world is changing so much and also quite quickly. What do you think that work for women may look like in 10 years time or what do you maybe hope it may look like? Well, I would love there to be no gender pay gap. Um, I would love... Um, you know, I was asked this because I work in sport. I was asked this about sport and what what did I hope for women's sport in 10 years time? And I said, you know, my old answer used to be, I hope that we're no longer talking about women's sport. I hope we're just talking about sport and we no longer see it as something that we have to be looking at because it's been underrepresented, underpaid, you know, on all those things. But when you look at what the Lionesses achieved this summer, I think they achieved something that wasn't 
it wasn't about achieving parity. It was about doing it their way and doing it brilliantly. And they brought a new attitude and atmosphere. They brought a new fan base. They did it in a different way to the way we've seen men's football over the years. And I think I'd say the same about women at work. I want, you know, there is a real... Um, I'm pausing because I don't think that really, traditionally, in the old days, and probably still now, we talk about um, what are seen as masculine traits and feminine traits. And I don't believe that. I think those are traits that we have bundled up into certain ways that we think, oh, well, boys behave like this, girls behave like that. And so these talk and work about women would bring feminine traits around nurturing, caring, supporting. And they would see the more sort of aggressive male traits as leading and delivering and getting things done. I don't think it breaks down into gender like that as well. But nevertheless, what I've seen is those more female attributes, I hope, are still in the workplace and come to the fore more. And I hope that women's ability to deliver both those, as well as the driving things through leading, are recognised more as well. And absolutely equality in terms of the number of women who, in pretty much every single sector that you can think about, uh, women are underrepresented. So I'd like to see equality in there too and more flexibility in terms of how we support women around uh, if they want to take career breaks to have children to have other things it doesn't have to be about children to maybe take time out to i don't know travel the world write a book explore something else and then come back to it that we don't judge that as harshly as well of course so can we talk a little bit about mentoring as i know that you are involved in the girls network have you had any mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly admire throughout your career Oh, lots and lots of people I've admired. I haven't had any formal mentors. I have mentored and I need to get back to doing it more. Um, I haven't had them formally, but there are uh, women um, I've worked with who I have sort of appointed, possibly without them even knowing, um, into that role. And that's been women I work with. Um, It's been some fantastic bosses I've had who've really helped develop and stretch me. It's Sometimes it's friends and peers who uh, you get advice from, you share problems with, you share. And it's quite nice, I think, talking to people outside your sector or about your or, or your work or where you are, because you get different perspectives on that as well. Um, you know, the cliche of a problem shared is a problem halved. I really believe that. And I think having that, I think it's one of women's superpowers, actually, is we are much better traditionally than men at talking and sharing how we're thinking and feeling. And I think that's where we, we get the strength. So I think mentoring it's incredibly important. I recently took part, I'm lying about another being mentored because I did have a mentor and I took part in a reverse mentoring scheme with a younger non-binary woman at sport. Uh, that's a, that's a uh, oxymoron, a non-binary person, sorry, uh, a non-binary person um, at Sport England and both in terms of understanding the world from their eyes as a younger person and a non-binary person, that was invaluable and also understanding the organisation we work on. And I really enjoyed that. So I think it's really useful to think of ourselves, not just as uh, mentees when we're younger, but mentors as well. You've got a lot to teach us about what we can do to support not just you, but just help create a better, I can say a better world. That's a bit grandiose, but our bit of the world, to make our bit of the world a bit better. Definitely. So I read that you were also a trustee of the Women's Sport Trust. Can you tell me a little bit about the work that you do there? So um, I'm no longer with WST, but um, I'm still involved with Women's Sport Collective, which is affiliated. But the Women's Sport Sport Trust is a really important charity that has uh, celebrating its 10 years this year. And it has really campaigned for uh, fairer, better treatment of elite sport, particularly women in sport. So um, 
fairer pay, uh, more coverage through the media, um, uh, better representation, uh, fairer, uh, more equal facilities, all the, um, more equal sponsorship, all those sort of things. Because 10 years ago when they launched, uh, women's sport was most elite women who worked in sport, possibly outside the top level Olympians, still had to have full-time jobs. and Many of them still do, actually. They didn't get the same treatment as men. They didn't get the same coverage in the media. There's still a long way to go. We're not equal yet, but we have come a long way. And the success of the Lionesses will really help that. But we've seen fantastic success success with cricket, with England cricket, with the Red Roses, with rugby. Hopefully they're going to do well um, in New Zealand at the moment um, in the World Cup. So we are seeing a much bigger rise of, of elite women's sport. And for me, that's really important because whether or not you like watching sport, I think it's important that we all see female role models who are talented, who work hard, who are achieving on global stages, getting the same recognition rewards that men get because we should be equal, right? And we should be treated equally. And so I think for all of us growing up or growing up as I'm supposed to be right now, seeing elite sports women being treated fairly and being rewarded fairly is really important. It's representation doesn't matter. And that old thing of you can't see what you can't be. No, you can't be what you can't see. Get it the right way around, Kate. is really important. Now, the theme of our summit is I Can Do It which I know is quite similar to your This Girl Can campaign. But is there anything that you've thought that you couldn't do that you have managed to do? In sport? Oh, God, loads of things. Um, I didn't like sport at school. I hated PE lessons, hated games, didn't like what we had to wear. I was rubbish at it and I felt clumsy and the wrong shape and size and all sorts of things. And so I never really enjoyed it. So I'm honestly gobsmacked, if I can say that, that I've had a career in sport. The first time I started running, but being around sporty people, it does infect you a bit. And so a friend of mine suggested that we did a, a fun run, and a 10k fun run. And honestly, at that stage, I would be, it would be 2005, 2006, I'd be 35, 36. I couldn't do two circuits of a running track without stopping. So the first time I could do that, and then the first time I ran 30 minutes without stopping, I couldn't believe it. Then eventually through various things. I ended up doing a marathon, didn't think I could do the marathon and I did it. Didn't think I could do a triathlon and I did it. I don't do any of them fast. I don't do any of them in any sort of style whatsoever, but I've done them by plodding and one foot in front of the other. And it's amazing. And if I can do it, anyone can, because I cannot emphasise how unsporty I am. You don't have to do marathons though. And don't think that if you start running, you start doing anything, that it inevitably means you have to do something really hard like that. This is a real this girl can message, but just getting out and getting fresh air and even just a fifth walk for half an hour, 10 minutes even makes such a difference. Definitely. Now, do you still have any personal, professional, maybe ambitions or hopes for the future? Oh, loads. I think I hope I always do. I hope I never, never don't have those. So. I want This Girl Can to, con- it is continuing, but I want it to reach more women to help more women and girls get more active. I really would love to look at doing a campaign, particularly around teenagers of all genders and helping those who don't enjoy sport and physical activity find their way into getting active. So there's some personal ones and also to help more people find their way to do behaviour change campaigning, which is what we are doing. Um, that's my professional ones, I guess. Uh, personally, I've recently started doing stand-up comedy, uh, <laughs> which has been a whole other thing because you should always try new things that you think you might be bad at because you never are as bad as you think and it's kind of fun. So I want to get better at that. I've started my own podcast as well. 
so I think, but learning how to do stand-up comedy, um, I think, and do that better. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be selling out the O2 anytime soon, <laughs> but learning how to do that and enjoy doing that. Um, so I'm quite uh, ambitious for that as well. Definitely. Now, final question today, and this is a new question for all of our guests this series, and that is, if you could change one thing in the world right now, what would it be? Oh, God. Gosh, sorry, that's really, uh, there's so much. It feels we live in very difficult and turbulent times. Um, and I'm tossing up between, obviously, the most pressing emergency, obviously, is climate change and our um, the inability to focus on that. But I think maybe, I'm trying to think of something broader that maybe would connect with that, but there's something around more compassion and more kindness and I think whatever the subject the way we seem to have lost our ability to actually discuss disagreements and share and work through and work through when we disagree and find solutions and build consensus and work through things together and maybe maybe we never could maybe it's just been made more clear because of social media and the way that gets used and you end up whatever the subject of the two sides it feels yeah. like just screaming at each other and we lose the ability to debate and discuss and find the answers in the middle. So it would be the ability to debate, discuss and actually find a way through to solve some of the really challenging issues that we face. Definitely. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Kate. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own careers. Keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. More details about us are at www.reachnextgeneration.com. Thank you to our fantastic sponsors, Ideal Standard, Barclays, Levi Strauss, Aviva, Green King and Gerald Wen. And a special thank you to Chris Rayer of AES Seal for his generous support too.